0: Hey everyone, Casey Canton here for DownrightCreepy.com. Today on the Creepcast, we have rocker director Rob Zombie joining us to discuss his upcoming film, The Lords of Salem, which is in theaters April 19th from Anchor Bay. Rob, thanks for joining us on the Creepcast. How are you? Hey, good. How's it going? Good. Are you enjoying South by Southwest?
1: Yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty fun.
0: Yeah? Uh, I want to go ahead and jump into your new film, Lords of Salem, comes out April 19th uh, from Anchor Bay. Uh, I thought it had some really great production design. Uh, I feel like your films normally do, though. So the mask, the practical effects, and kind of the atmosphere that you're used to seeing in your films, uh, how much of that is influenced by you and the script? And how much of it is Wayne Toth's kind of decision to run wild?
1: Well, nobody runs wild with anything. (laughs) (laughs) Everything starts with me, and then I go to Wayne or the you know, the production designer or the cinematographer tell him this is what I'm looking to do. Mm-hmm. This is what I need. So we'll sit down, like me and Wayne, we'll sit down and we'll sketch out the, everything from the iron mask to the spiky chair to the little crazy midget guy. And, <laughs> you know, he'll start sculpting it and I'll come in and say, ah, you know, we'll, we'll come in, we'll, we'll work hand in hand all the way through until it becomes the thing I'm looking for. Yeah. That's the trick really, trying to get the thing that's in my head to get him to understand what I want so he can make it come to life.
0: Well, I thought it looked great, so it was a great job collaborating there as usual. I thought the film score was actually really good too, uh, That lo- the Lord's song that plays throughout kind of putting everyone under a spell or a trance, if you will. Uh, I assumed you played a key role in developing that, or was that something that the music editor, Matt Shelton, um, did for the film? I don't even know who Matt Shelton is. Oh <laughs> Really? It listed Matt Shelton as a music editor in your film. I
1: don't even know who he is. No, I mean, I worked with, John Five did the score. Okay. And I worked, you know, obviously I worked very closely with John all the time. And um, it was just, you know, John Five was working with uh, Griffin Boyce. The two of them together composed the score. And I would work with John constantly. I would tell him exactly what I needed or play him a piece of music, you know, something in this vein or that vein and then something like that, which theme that you spoke of. We would just be on the phone like this going over it every day and I'd be humming something to him and he'd play it back to me and we'd just go back and forth.
0: Cool, yeah. I just assumed Matt was part of it, so that makes complete sense. No. Well, music, Matt's probably you know, music editor is not someone who gets involved on that level. Yeah. he's probably like when we were
1: mixing the film, he just makes sure that the, the tracks are prepared
0: and ready I get it. Okay.
1: So much so that I, I'm like, who's that? <laughs>
0: now you typically don't use a lot of CGI in your films, which I personally love. What made you decide to go that route versus CGI? And what are your thoughts in general with the industry using, you know, CGI versus practical effects, which seem to be slowly coming back, but for a while seem like kind of this lost art form. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: No, I don't think they're coming back at all. In fact, uh, I know most effect shops are closing their doors because yeah.
0: they're not doing them at all.
1: I mean, a lot of kids are right now learning how to do effects for movies that will never be made. Um <laughs> No, it's a dying art, to be sure. I mean, the level of sculptors and artists that you need for that stuff is just going to disappear like anything else. I I think that everything has its place. I mean, I think you get the best stuff when they kind of work in conjunction with each other. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a fan of this thing. Of, I mean, I can see it so clearly when you watch a movie and it just feels like everybody's standing on a green screen for six months and then they fill it all in around them later. I hate it. It doesn't it feels very cold. It feels like it's not real. Because I think your eye sees something real and you know there really was a two foot six tall guy with no skin standing <laughs> in that room. He really was standing there. Whereas you watch some CGI and you go, I don't care how spectacular it was, I know it didn't ever exist. It was never in that same space with that person. That's why I mean I think the Star Wars movies are the best example. Just because they're bigger and more splashy. It's still more exciting to see Chewbacca than it is a thousand digital robots fighting.
0: Oh, yeah. For sure. Well, and you get more emotion. And it's
1: real. It actually is a a thing existing in real space.
0: Yeah, and you get more emotion uh, from the actors. And uh, for me, one of my favorite parts of the movie is the little kind of devil Lucifer guy. I mean, that's one of my favorite parts because it was practical effects. It's real. So... Completely agree. Everything agreed, was but, practical. I mean, the end
1: yeah. shot when Heidi becomes like the Virgin Mary there's not, everything was absolutely 100% practical. The lights, the yeah. people having to hold still. I mean, you know, it's it's harder, but there's something about it that, I mean, I mean, CG can be fantastic. It's just when it's all CG, it just, it becomes, it becomes like you're watching a live action cartoon.
0: Right. It's just not my cup of tea. So I gotta ask, what happened with the Blob remake? Um, was you know, was Lord's just more of an intriguing thing for you and blob is put on hold. Uh, was it a matter of coming up with your own idea, like a, some original content versus another remake? Um, is the blob still something that you're pursuing?
1: No, the blob thing didn't happen because I walked away from the project. I had already written the script
0: uh-huh.
1: and you know, I had found the take on it that I thought would be fresh and original. And I thought it would be really cool but I just felt like the situation with the producers and what was going on wasn't something I wanted to be involved with. So I just walked away from it. That was the main reason. I got um, you. getting into details and naming names. I just, I just wanted to, was like, this isn't, this is not a good situation. I'm not going to do this.
0: And so I would assume maybe the same answer too, for uh, any news about Halloween 3d. I know you're not attached to that, but just any thoughts or feelings toward it or if it should even exist.
1: Well, they can, I mean, I, I, it seems like something that would keep going. I know that yeah. right now there's absolutely nothing being done on that subject.
0: Yeah, I know it, it went to a standstill. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it's also, you know, one of those horror franchises that's going to be around forever regardless, probably. So, Yeah,
1: I don't have any problem with that because the reason I found it exciting to begin with was because... Um, you know, there'll always be a new Dracula movie. There'll always be a new Frankenstein movie, King Kong, whatever. You create these iconic characters and that's how I approached it. I thought Michael Myers was like a, you know, the modern day Frankenstein and that's why I thought it was cool. So, you know, if they don't make another one this year or next year, maybe 10 years from now, 20, but you know, it'll happen again, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. It's all about the interpretation, I guess, in a sense and how you deal with the character, but, yeah. Now, before I forget, we spoke with Danny Trejo not that long ago. Uh, I told him I was coming out to see you guys in concert, and he told me that he got a hold of you and and wanted me to ask you about this horror western film that he pitched you. Can you tell us more about that? Because he said you loved it, and I haven't really heard anything else about it. I think he remembers more
1: of it than I do. I remember him saying something about an idea like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I never read a script or anything like that. He told me some. This was a long time ago. He told me something of which I have now forgotten, (laughs) that sounded cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he was super. (laughs) He was super excited about about it. I can't remember. He was super excited. He's like, you got to tell him about, I'm like, man, I don't think we're going to see him at the concert, but if I ever talk to him, I will bring it up because now I'm curious because yeah, he didn't I go into remember, any detail.
1: I remember him telling me something about it, but I, I don't remember what he said.
0: Right, and he didn't even go into detail. So I thought, well, if you don't remember, I don't think Rob's going to remember, but I thought I'd ask yeah, anyway. He, he might not even
1: have gone into details with me. I had to tell <laughs> him I
0: remember. Him. Uh, now, you've been doing this a long time on the music side and now even more so in film. Um, do you ever think that you'll stop doing music and focus on film full time. And is there ever a chance that you'd actually take on uh, a main character role or anything like that in front of the camera? Cause I know you did house a thousand corpses kind of in that commercial right before, um, captain Spaulding comes on, but I don't know if you'd have a bigger part in any of your films moving forward. No, I don't know. I, I doubt that would ever Just happen. No I desire. I mean,
1: I have no desire to do that whatsoever. And, yeah. um, as far as I know, I'll keep doing music. I mean, it's been a long time, and I don't see any reason to stop. So
0: Yeah. Since the name of our, our website is Downright Creepy, typically we like to ask our guests that's on the Creepcast uh, some sort of creepy question. So I've got one lined up for you. Uh, in House of Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, uh, we see you skin someone or rip their face off and then have someone wear it kind of as a mask. So my question to you is, if you could rip anybody's face off and wear it for Halloween, who would it be, and why? <laughs> so many choices.
1: Yeah, so many choices. It has to be just the right face. <laughs> uh, um, hmm, let's see. There's too many things I want to say that will come back to haunt me. If I
0: say it. <laughs> That's what I was wondering, yeah. I was like, either I stumped him, or he's trying to um, appease the film now, gods.
1: I will just they can figure it out for themselves, it would definitely be a a film producer who worked on one of my movies,
0: but I won't say who. It'll be a riddle. We'll go back and research. (laughs) We'll take some guesses. We'll announce it on our podcast, our guesses. Um, Now, can you tell us a little bit, before we let you go, about your your upcoming movie, The Hockey Movie, and kind of why you chose that as your next project, and that you're stepping away from the horror genre right now?
1: Well, I've always been looking for a project like that that was not for sure but I needed something that appealed to the things that I love yeah I didn't just want to do anything and when this came to me, I mean, it, the movie is set in 1974. I love that time period. It's hockey. I love hockey. I, and the, it's a true life story. I remember the story. I remember the team. I remember the players. And it's a really rough, gnarly story. And mm-hmm. it just appeals to me. Like, it, if there wasn't a movie I was making, it's definitely a movie I would go see. And, it, you know, it just has everything that I love about movies. And, and um, yeah, I'm very excited to do this film.
0: Now, I have think you... that it's... The other thing, too, I think it has a lot of appeal
1: beyond, like, you could not give a shit about hockey and still love this, the movie.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I Have you started working on that yet? Or is that something that you're still kind of developing?
1: Well, I'm just finishing the script right now. Gotcha. The I mean, real story with real people, or, or based on the lives of real people, you know, the, the, for the first time ever, I, I got a movie that has an intense amount of research Usually, I'm just making up stuff.
0: (laughs) Right, you make up your characters. It's all based
1: in fact, and it's just been a long long year of researching.
0: Uh, And then one last thing here. It's just something I'm kind of curious about with, I guess, the film industry in general. But it seems like it's so hard to kind of make a horror film that pushes the limits but still gets rated to an acceptable standard to get a wide release in theaters. I know Hatchet 2, for instance, recently went through it. And they finally got it released in a major chain, but it was only for like six days. So I just didn't know if your thoughts, your thoughts on that, or if you had any trouble with Lords of Salem, getting it pushed out into theaters.
1: Um, well, I mean, I've had trouble on every movie. I mean, you have yeah. to get an R rating or no real, you can't, you can release it unrated or NC-17, but the the, uh, the amount of screens that you can get it on is very, very limited. So yeah, I've had trouble on every single movie getting an R rating, but eventually you get it. Yeah, it's a pain. It's silly. I mean, this seems silly to me that there's a group of people that censor what adults are going to sit down to watch because the movies already since they're you know they're already not made for children, so that shouldn't even be a factor. And another one adult is going to say what another adult can't watch is just absurd.
0: Well, and the fact that even if kids are going to see it. I feel like kids are even so desensitized so much these days that nothing they see in a movie should affect them too much. You know what I mean? Uh, well, not and so- Even
1: sometimes the things that you can't get into a movie, you might be able to even get on an HBO show because yeah. they don't have the same ratings. So it, it, it's sort of a system that doesn't work anymore
0: yeah, it's if it ever worked. So bizarre. But... Yeah. Yeah. All right, Rob, that's all the time we have today. I want to say thanks so much for joining us. I uh, hope you've had a good time down at South by Southwest. And best of luck with Lords of Salem in theaters April 19th from Anchor Bay. Cool, man. Right on. (laughs) Take it easy. Take it easy. Bye-bye. All right, this is Casey Canton signing off for the Creepcast. Uh, Be sure to check out more of our episodes on iTunes. You can subscribe on there look for Creepcast on downrightcreepy.com. We're also available on Stitcher Radio and our website, downrightcreepy.com backslash podcast. Thanks for listening.